Hey there, Fat Guy Forum fans. A huge Happy New Year as we enter 2022. And I'm excited that you're still listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can do a couple of things. First, if you're an Apple user or you use Spotify, you can rate and review the podcast there to get us in front of more people. Also, you can use the support links in the show notes to purchase products, get a discount for yourself, generate some income for the show, or you can join the Patreon. And there's some cool stuff coming with the Patreon I will be announcing very soon. I know I've said it before, but this time it's really happening. So I'm just excited for all that's to come in this year. Thank you so much for being a part of this adventure. And on to the show. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I'm happy to have you here with me once again. I have a guest this week who is actually someone new that I've connected with on Instagram. He reached out and said he feels like he's got a story to share and a unique perspective in this whole world of weight loss so i I, i'm excited to dive into things with that with him his name is jesse ellerby jesse how you doing today great gourmet i appreciate you having me on and uh looking forward to the to the talk and hopefully we can help help some people find uh find some different uh tactics and techniques for for this journey we're all on you know definitely man definitely so let's let's not keep them from it man let's get into it tell us what qualifies you to be on the fat guy forum uh, you know, I, uh, the, the low hanging fruit is, uh, you know, that I, uh, uh, I had, th- I weighed 365 pounds, uh, about five, six years ago and, uh, was able to lose it. Right. But, um, that's not the story. The story is, uh, the fact that I was battling PTSD the entire time. Um, and, uh, it's actually, I'm, I'm in the process of retiring from the uh, fire department because of it. And, um, you know, food, uh, food's comfort. Right. I grew up in a household where uh, food was comfort. You come home from a bad day. Grandma would be up something uh, that was uh, that made everything right in the world. Right. Um, and it's that southern hospitality. And uh, they grew up, you know, they grew up stressed and poor. So being able to feed people was such an extension of their love. So it just becomes uh, for a kid becomes like, a, you know, that nurture, that spot that you want to go to. And being on a fire truck and being stressed out, I kept turning to food and, um, through injuries and things like that also. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't just eat myself to, uh, um, to that weight. Uh, I also uh, was battling, uh, some injuries. I, I got dropped off a roof, uh, messed up my back, uh, shoulder problems. I rolled a truck, uh, bro- broke some ribs, uh, se- separated the shoulder. Um, blow out a hamstring. Uh, and then that all kind of uh, accumulated to, I was pre-diabetic, um, had a heart condition. I, I threw some VTAC. Uh, I'm also a paramedic. So like uh, my understanding of physiology is, uh, is, is, uh, you know, more, more, more than most folks, I would say, uh, you know, paramedics were kind of the, uh, uh, the first line on the, uh, the chain of care. So our education isn't, you know, it's not nurse level or doctor level, but we, uh, if you pay attention and do it for 15 years, like I did, you can, uh, you can pick up some knowledge, but, uh, so I knew what I was doing to myself the whole time. And that's the thing that was probably the, um, that I can help people learn from the most is like, I knew I was hurting myself and I, I was just doing it anyway, because I was so just frazzled by life. And, um, you know, we can say, oh yeah, it's, it's a hard job, but life's hard. And. Uh, just because I chose a tough career, I, I was a Marine before uh, being a firefighter. So uh, I, I've, I've chosen hard things my entire life um, and I've been successful at them. And all of a sudden I couldn't be successful at this thing that I, I had 
almost mastered, man. Like I, you know, I, I was a chubby kid, like I said, from the nurture aspect from the parents. Um, but then I played, I played sports. So I got skinny again. I got in really great shape my senior year. I was a, I was an all region athlete, but then I got hurt working construction. Um, when, after I graduated and, uh, gained 75 pounds within like three or four months because I was sitting at home eating like I was training, but not training. Right. So that was kind of the big issue there. Well, let's, uh, I I, I don't want to, I don't want to cut you off, but I want to, I don't want to kind of gloss over. Mm-hmm. parts of your story like I, okay. I, I you know because i think it's something that people benefit from especially okay. you know one of the things you know that you shared kind of in our pre-talk you know was this i you know kind of this roller coaster in terms of what your life has been with your weight so like you said you know you were you were a chubby kid and slimmed out for athletics like was that were you conscious of your weight then or you know like were you like do i need i need to get in shape for this or was it more of a, a function of what you were doing so um uh, th- there's some aspects of that, that, that I, I, I keep close to the vest because it's, um, uh, the, the people that were involved are still around, but, um, my, my high school experience wasn't great. Um, I, uh, I, I actually lived in an apartment by myself, um, for my junior year. And, uh, I, I worked at a restaurant, um, and working at that restaurant, you know, you have access to whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want to eat and, and whatnot. So like it, 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 it ebbed and flowed with stuff that was going on in my life. Um, uh, just, uh, externally the, uh, the focus on fitness really kind of came as a, uh, uh, you know, in high school as a, a relief to the, uh, uh, to the stuff that was going on. And then I wanted to get in shape because, you know, for performance as well as uh, I, you know, growing up as a chubby kid, I also, I also am cursed to have like, uh, the, uh, the body hair. Right. So like I was 13, I had back, I had back hair. So like, everybody's like, take your, take your sweater off, Jesse. You know, when you're a kid, like, ah, oh, neat. Everybody says the same joke. Thanks. You know? So it's like you're, you're chubby with stretch marks and you're hairy. Um, you know, so swimming wasn't, wasn't ever awesome, but like by my senior year, it didn't matter. Cause I was, you know, I was a big, big strapping football player. So you could just, you know, somebody had something to say, you could take care of that. But um, but yeah, so it's, it's always been kind of, uh, inter- it's, it's interplayed with, uh, the emotion of, of, uh, body image and whatnot. Cause you know, society does that to you. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I mean, even now, dude, I'm not, I'm not like proud of my body, but I'm, I'm proud of what I've, what I've been able to accomplish with it. Um, because aesthetically it just, it, it has the, uh, the scars of the, uh, the weight loss, right. It's just got the extra skin and all that, but, um, that's something that, that you just have to manage. And I think that, once you kind of get into the, uh, you know, uh, there's an old uh, saying from the military called Dillagaff. It says, it, what it stands for is, does it look like I give a fuck? Um, and there's a book out there called the subtle, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that that book's um, a really uh, good thing for people that need to lose weight to, to try, try to investigate because you only have so much bandwidth to care about things and your health should be, your health should be one of them. That's, that's, um, a focus, not necessarily a, a byproduct. And I think that that's how a lot of people get there is that you're not, we're not looking at food, right. You know, but it's also not completely our faults because we've been tricked. And I'd, I'd love to get into that with you too. Oh, for sure. We will. And so, like you said, you put on, you coming out of high school, put on the 75 pounds. Yeah. Was, was yeah, that I, before that was, the Marines or. Yeah. Where, where does I, that so I, fit in? I, I was working construction and I, uh, I gave myself a hernia, um, picking up, uh, metal studs. So I wound up, uh, getting surgery, got an office job. 
uh, put on a bunch of weight. And it's like, oh, I'll get back in the gym because you know you're 19. You can you can throttle weight pretty you know quickly, but that truth becomes a lie when you turn about 26, 27, right? So we'll get to that that story later. But uh, um, you know, so like the 75 pounds didn't really bother me. And then I you know I, I uh, worked at a gym, so I you know got on the supplement train and got some ephedra going and I lost all that weight and got in the Marine Corps within, I, I think it took me 60 days to lose the weight to meet the high, height weight requirement. Um, but that was, uh, I, I just, and back then I was following body for life, right. Which was the, uh, fist, fist size of protein, fist size of carbs a day. Right. Cause that I mean, do you have any, how many friggin' uh, uh, gimmicky things have you tried? Right. Like we, we all have, and it's like, we're all looking for that answer. And this last time, and this is kind of my whole thing as I'm trying to make this last one stick um, because I, I attacked it completely different uh, as a completely different animal than the, the times I've lost weight in the past. So, so you got into the Marines. Yeah. Got in the Marines. Obviously uh, weight probably. Yeah. I, you know, pretty I, stable I, there or anybody, anybody who, uh, anybody who served with me knows I was always a, a around it because they want you to be uh, if you're six foot you got to be under a certain number right and I, and I just have a frame like even right now with it was stripped down as i am uh, i weighed myself this morning i'm 188 um and uh, i have a jiu-jitsu tournament on saturday that's why i'm uh, I, i'm carrying so much as I, I signed up for a, a weight class that was um uh it, it made it part of my goal right it made it part of my uh, um you know give yourself those micro wins right so that's kind of like where i'm at right now but um, the, uh, and I forget what point I was making with that. If you could help me out there. Uh, we were talking about, uh, maintaining weight in the Marines. Maintaining weight in the military. Okay. So, um, I'm skinnier right now than I've ever been and, um, maintaining weight in the Marine Corps. Like I said, I was always, uh, known as like a thicker guy. I always had to like get taped. Um, uh, I think I, 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 I failed a PFT one time, uh, on the run. Cause I do, I effing hated running. Running, running is just a, it was a, such a, and I'm, I'm a runner now. I'm, I'm actually have, I'm working on my, uh, my splits for, uh, five K's and stuff. Um, and I enjoy it. So that's, um, that's been a huge shift and that's all, again, that's all the stuff, uh, we'll get to later, but, um, so yeah, so like I just struggled while I was in to maintain weight cause I didn't want to run. So I would go play paintball or I'd go, uh, boogie boarding. You know, like, I, I would just, keep myself active with things I was interested in. And then, um, the run was always kind of my, um, uh, Achilles heel, but, uh, um, but I was always getting taped just because of uh, my frame. And like I said, I'm as, I'm as small as I've ever been. And I'm still 188 pounds just cause I got wide shoulders and, you know, I'm, I'm just a large frame guy. Um, like a more of a mesomorph, uh, if you, if you're going off of those, uh, the, like the bodybuilding styles, but, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's still, it's one of those things where you have to know that aspect of yourself too, right? If you're trying to manage this thing, especially if you're in an organization that has that, uh, height weight requirement. And I just always made sure my neck was gigantic and my waist was small. So <laughs> that was the trick, right? So you're in there like doing neck curls and uh, shrugs and, and everything you can to make sure that the, uh, the balance of, uh, of their, the way that they were taking weight back. in uh, I was in from 02 to 06. So I'm sure that that, that, uh, those mechanisms have changed from what I understand. So that's, uh, you always have to remember like, uh, with old veterans, there's a, like what they're talking about experience wise is a snapshot in time for whatever the procedures were then. Right. So I don't want to miss, I don't want to speak, uh, for anybody who's thinking about going in the military, you need to go find a recruiter and figure out what they need. Um, 
because uh, uh, what they needed in 2002 and what they need now are two different things. Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So, like, so yeah, it, it was always up and down. Mm-hmm. And so where what brought you to – was it kind of like a slow progression there to your heaviest weight? Like I know, you know it sounds like there were some other factors involved, but like what – what kind of brought you eventually to that place where you saw 365? Yeah, you know, and um, so like I said, I'm, I'm retiring from the fire service for uh, for uh, mental health, and um, so I had to write down my uh, uh, you know your trauma timeline and all that stuff, and um, you can really see the spike in things that happened to me uh, during the course of my career, um, right in and around that spot where I hit that spot where I hit that peak. And, um, uh, you know, just that, you know, tough calls. Uh, I wrecked a truck. Um, so I separated my shoulder, broke some ribs. Um, I blew out a hamstring. Um, uh, I got dropped off a roof. Um, I fell off uh, from the second story, uh, full firefighting gear, um, messed up my, uh, my right hip and my lower back as a result. So like every time I'd take a hit like that, you know, your training cycle goes to nothing. And then you wind up having this, um, you wind up starting to hate working out. And that's what, like, that's the thing I'm still fighting, actually. Like, I cannot, I cannot stand uh, laying down on a bench right now and putting iron in my hands. Like, it, and for a guy who, like I said, was in high school, I wasn't like a, a lifting champion or anything, but I was, you know, a uh, thousand pound club, you know, like, you know, like this, like the, like standard, like the, the kids that are into sports, I was always in the group, but I was never like the, the standout, you know what I mean? Like, um, I like to, there's that old, there's that old quote out of a hundred men, uh, 10 shouldn't be there. 80 are just targets. Nine are the real fighters. Uh, I forget which one of the Greeks said that I always looked at myself as being like number eight or number nine in the fighters of any group, you know, like, or maybe like number, uh, number one in the 80 that shouldn't have been there, you know, like just on the edge, like kind of thing. Um, cause like I'm, I'm kind of a more gentle soul, but, uh, my lot in life, uh, my, my frame, my size, um, uh, my temperament, uh, I, I, I got folded into these more aggressive, uh, uh, endeavors. So, um, but that's why I say I'm, I'm kind of like on the outside edge of all of it. So like, I, I have the knowledge, I just don't interact with it the same as those guys who are super intense. Um, I'm just mildly intense. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. So, <laughs> and do you think, I'm, I'm curious, you know, kind of knowing the, the action, you know, the trauma, you know, the, the trauma experiences that you had, you know, you, you've mm -hmm. detailed a couple of them. Do you yeah. think, you know, what, where was your relationship with food and all that? Was it, was it a, a comfort piece for you and all that? Was it something you turned to? Like, how do you define so, that for yourself? Yeah. You know, that's a great question, man. Um, so I, I, I've, 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 I've had a couple of thoughts on it. Um, and it's kind of nebulous, but, uh, there was a point where I didn't think about food, right. Where like, it was just consumption and, um, it was just like, it was just, it was habituation, right? You go to the hospital, drop off a patient and you go in there and it's 3 a.m. But you're like, oh, I'll get the, I'll get the mini size bag of Doritos, right? Um, it's, uh, you're dropping somebody off. It's 1130 at night. You're like, oh, I'll get a thing of street cheese. And you wind up eating all dang night. Um, and it's just because, you know, like you, you're, you're in a dead sleep. You get the, the, the lady on the wall comes on and she tells you where you're going and what you're doing. Um, so you spike every chemical in your brain, um, to get yourself out to the truck and, and, and ride there. And 
every single member is doing that every day. And every time I see a fire truck, I, I tip my cap to them. I'm like, I, I did it for 15 years. Good luck. Good luck folks. Um, be safe, you know, um, cause I know what they're enduring, but like that mental, uh, the amount of cortisol you're releasing, the amount of all the, all the stress chemicals, everything that's going on in the body, you're hungry at the end of the call. Like, you know, you can use some satiation. Um, you know, I, I towards the end before I, uh, uh, you know, uh, came off, I, uh, I started, uh, I switched to water, right? So like you need satiation because you just did some stuff. So give yourself some water and it'll, it'll, um, and then move on, right? Go back to not thinking about food. So I went from this period of not thinking about food, just consuming and being a zombie to this period of being, you know, now I'm, I'm extremely conscious of it. And it's like, what relationship do I want now? Right. Do I want a relationship where it's um, just all fuel, no pleasure, or do I want, you know, how do I want to balance that? And that's really kind of like, uh, you know, I started my Instagram page. It's um, it's not a, it's nebulous also, but it's uh, I just call it an Arizona because it's all I, all I am. I'm a guy that born and raised in, you know, the great state of Arizona and have some opinions, but uh um, you know, I'm just trying to chronicle where I'm going from here, what I'm thinking about with food from here, um, as well as li- life in general, because, um, I spent over 20 years serving other people only and, and not, uh, figuring out myself. And I, I have a, I have a beautiful opportunity now to do that. So, um, with that said, man, I, I uh, uh, like that relationship with food changed so much. It, it's hard to really, um, how to put this. It's hard to, um, it's hard to timeline it thus far. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. And that's kind of why I reached out was I wanted to, um, have the conversation where I can, I, I can at least start to, uh, you know, talk to, talk to a, a, a new friend, right. And, uh, the, the, the audience and, and, uh, get some feedback as well as some, uh, Hey, we're, you know, where are we all going from here? Cause if we've lost weight, that's, that's cool, man. I've lost weight a bunch. Losing weight's not that hard for me. I know it is for other people. Keeping the weight off is what has always whooped my rear end. And it's whooped my mom's rear end her entire life. It's whooped my dad's end rear end his entire life. But I started looking at my kids, man, and, and uh, they're modeling what I'm doing. And I went, eh, they're not gonna they're not gonna suffer the way I did because I gave them a bad idea on how this is supposed to interact. So that's that that was always that's that's the other aspect too, is being a father, you know. So um it makes you it makes you start when you see, when you see your kid rationalize some some nonsense that you know is a rationalization because you're telling that lie to yourself and you're letting yourself and you're you know we're we're just not going to be we're going to be polite and not talk about it right and your kid makes that same uh, stupid uh, rationalization that's that was one of the big things that kicked off the uh, let's change this for reals so mm-hmm. which I, I think a lot of what you're saying makes sense like I, I think most people out there it, and it's funny because I think often people do get wrapped up in the idea like the weight loss is the hardest part and they hope that the keeping it off is going to be easier. You know, when I, I work with clients, you know, I, helping them with weight loss and I'm always like, I understand that right now is hard. The other, the, the next stage is even harder and you need to, you need, you need to learn the things right now that are going to help you be able to do that. You know, the things you're learning right now, it's not, you know, especially like, I, I think you also referenced earlier on like that idea of, looking for the trick that's going to work or looking for, you know, jumping from program to program. Cause I think as human beings, 
we want an easy answer to something. We want something handed to us. You know, I've said this a thousand times probably on this show, you know, that's what everyone is chasing, like the one answer. And it's not until you realize that it's about that self-examination and going into that process that, you know, you find that there has to be an answer for you that becomes a part of your life and, you know, and becomes what you're doing and, and kind of is, you're able to kind of be willing to learn and be willing to be mindful and be willing to do all of those things. And, you know, I think that also relates, you know, to like your, your thought on wanting to kind of get that perspective on your journey and that perspective on that relationship and understanding that it changes and, and grows and flows through experiences and is impacted by so many different things that there isn't always just one quick answer to a question like that. You know, it, it often is, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm a work in, I say it for myself personally, you know, I'm a work in progress. I'll be a work in progress for the rest of my life. Like it's when we start to make the assumptions that we're done that we run into trouble, you know, and I think that's what happens a lot with people after they've lost weight is they're like, okay, I'm done now. Let me move on to something else instead of, and no, having no plan for what that something else is. It's just like, well, what's to stop you from going back to what you were doing before that brought you to where you were when you need to start? Like there has to be that, you has to be a, a greater awareness that you build. And, you know, I did it myself. Like I, the first time I lost 300 pounds, I did no work on the mindset side of things. I, hammered at losing weight. I was great at losing weight. I white knuckled through and just was like, okay, it's just about getting to getting to the finish line. And when I get to the finish line, I'll figure all of this, this crap out. And I never did. And that's why I put all that weight back on rapidly. Like I never really said, okay, what do I want this next place to be? How do I live in this place? Like all of those questions that I should have been working on from the beginning because yeah. they're hard, you know, all of these questions are hard, you know, and it's well, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, um, I mean, you're spot on, man. It's, it's, um, well, and let's just, just, let's just put it out there, dude. The weight, the weight is not the problem, right? When, when, when you see somebody who's overweight, it's the, the, the weight, the, the, it, it's, it's the conditioning that they, that they've gone through, right? It's the, um, it's the chemical changes that their bodies have made around the foods. Right. So like once, once you go down the road, you start getting hijacked. Like you literally, like your, your mind body connection literally starts getting hijacked and those, those L's start becoming LB's. Right. And if you haven't set up a mindset or a goal or something beyond what you're shooting for, then, so I coach uh, football and baseball. Um, that's, that's my, my retirement gig is going to be getting into youth sports and, um, uh, helping helping young men and women not go through kind of the ups and downs that I did, you know, um, and uh, talking to them and, and how they're being what they're being told about food, what their knowledge about food is, and watching them interact with it, you're like, oh my goodness, this is this is this is actually so systemic, and it's it's it, when guys like myself and, you, and yourself, like you, you've gone to the keto route, right? You've gone to the, the exploratory essentially, because the conventional wisdom is keeping people large. And um, I, I have a, I, I went through um, my old, uh, like kind of the journey of, of knowledge that I went through to, because um, this, this, this weight loss journey this time took me five years. Um, I, I, I decided, uh, I, I weighed myself on, 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 uh, uh, I forget 
what it was, but it something like just inspired me to weigh myself. And I was like, what, you know, I, I got on the scale. I'm like, how did we get here? I, I like, I, cause I, you know, being, being around that 300 pound mark for a long time was always <clears throat> at the fire department. I was the, I was the most athletic and the best in shape fat guy we had. Right. So we had a bunch of large dudes, but I was just a dude who could out, yeah, I could outperform still. I still had like enough athlete left in me. I could, I, so that was my excuse, right? Like I could whip it on if I needed to. It, that excuse then became the liability, right? Cause it slid into no longer, like I would dude, I'd go fight a fire. And I'd just be put on full protective equipment. You're wearing four, you weigh about 425 with full protective equipment on. Um, our equipment, uh, the outer layer, there's a, there's three layers. There's an outer layer, there's a vapor barrier, then there's an inner layer. So the way I explain it to people is like, put on a pair of sweatpants, put on a pair of sauna pants, and then put on a pair of jeans. And that's what fire, a firefighting ensemble is essentially, um, as far as weight performance, all that. Right. Um, so you're wearing 425 pounds in that sauna suit, pulling hose in a superheated environment, dude, like no wonder I threw PVCs in my heart, right? Like, <laughs> that's no good. So um, I, I had uh, gone and done wildland firefighting um, as a paramedic for a private company. Like we can, the way we can get time off and trade days is complicated. I won't bore your, your audience with that, but I would take time off and I went and took a month off um, and, and I went and did fire, wildland fires. And um, uh, I met a guy who had retired and he, he was, he, he was like, I was just like you, bro. And I'm like, you look like me. And he's like, yeah. And he's this guy was skinny. He's like real spelt, like running half marathons and stuff. And like a, a bow hunter backpacker. I'm like, and that was always like how I wanted to live. You know, like I always wanted to get into that stuff. And I, I, I was, dude, I was so fortunate. I got, I got uh, put on a, a drop point with him for uh, probably six, seven days. And if you're smart enough to sit there and listen to an old man with wisdom, you know, you can pick out some pretty good, uh, pretty good things. And he, he had gone vegan and um, uh, actually not full vegan. He, he was vegan, but he would eat um, uh, game that he had killed. Right. So um, for him, it was only about putting the, the most natural foods in his body. So I, I tried the vegan route. Um, I lost a bunch of weight uh, and then I put it right back on. Right. Um, Cause it didn't change anything. Uh, but I always remembered him. I always remembered his story. And the reason he did it was cause he, he had his family later in life. And uh, I started a family a little bit later in life. And he said, you know, hey, I want to, I want to see my grandkids. And if you look at all of the firefighters that die of heart attacks and cancer, which I mean, both of those are massive epidemics inside of our community, um, you know, and suicide and everything else, but, um, you know, it's a hard life. And I met this man who made it through there and had this vision of what to do and how to do it. And I was like, I want to do that. You know, like this guy, and he was the most calm out of any of the retired guys that I met while I was out there. Like he, like Buzz just seemed like he was doing good. You know, like, I'm like, that seems, if you're going to, if you're going to sacrifice for 25 years, Buzz seems like he's got it figured, you know? And um, so I, I just started looking at things after that. And uh, it wasn't until um, I got uh, into uh, podcasts that I really started accumulating the knowledge that I was going to need to actually change things. Um, and uh, I actually came to podcasts uh, through TED Talks. Uh, I was also a, a labor officer, so I was a union uh, a trustee, and then I was a union vice president as well. 
and we would go into these meetings and um, be trying to negotiate better wages, wages, benefits, and uh, living conditions for our, our membership, and um, trying to argue against uh, an administration that didn't see it the same way. So I started getting into TED Talks to try to find better ways to articulate the argument, right, or better solutions to some of the, the challenges we were facing as an agency. And through that, I found Jocko Willink. And I started following Jocko in the podcast, found him through Ferris, then I found Rogan, um, started uh, like kind of branching off on Rogan with like different people that I liked. And then he kept referencing like Dr. Rhonda Patrick, or, you know, if, if you ever listen to Rogan, you, you know, he, he's got a handful of people he always, always references. So I started ping pong and through his health people and um, found uh, Dr. Peter Atia. Mm -hmm. And um, have you listened to the uh, Dr. Atia's uh, podcast, The Drive? I've heard most of it. Okay. So did you hear the episode with uh, Dr. Fung, the uh, phrenologist uh, from uh, Toronto? Okay. So uh, the whole suitcase, uh, uh, the insulin sugar suitcase problem. Okay. Have you covered that on the podcast? Um, not, in, not in any way in, in depth where people are really kind of talked about that. Is that, so something, you you'd be, is that something you'd be interested in talking about? Because yeah. I know it's okay. Yeah, give a so, you know, give it give yeah. as give as best of an overview as you can. I guess I would be the way I'd put it. So if if you ever uh, get to that episode, and I think I wrote it down here. I'll, I'll try to see if I can find it on my notes. Um, I uh, Doctor Fung um, has a pretty aggressive uh, thought process on medicine. He 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 likens it to uh, uh, physics, or he doesn't liken it to physics. He he talks about how it's opposite of physics, right? Physics. You can take a chance on a theory and then go and practice that theory. Uh, medicine, on the uh, on the other uh, half, you know, side, and being a paramedic, I I, I know this because I've I've during the course of my career, there was a drug that came out that we found out was actually killing more people, but we thought it was saving people because there was a miscorrelation with the change in CPR protocols. Okay, so um, having worked in medicine, having seen how the process works where we get a body of work together, we see what it's actually doing and then we go, Oh crap. And we get rid of it. Or, uh, we do something and we get results, but then all of a sudden there's this giant side effect on the back end that we didn't account for. So we're trying to figure that out too. Right. So, um, medicine has its problems, um, because it's, it's a very point shoot aim type of situation. Um, because you're waiting for the preponderance of evidence to hit a tipping point before you move the needle on what we're doing. And then you start, you, you complicate that with like the, sh like the sugar industry, uh, when they, you know, uh, all the uh, uh, studies that they paid for to villainize cholesterol and, and, and fat and whatnot. Um, you, you now have institutional uh, quote unquote wisdom. It's not wisdom, it's, it's what you've been told to think that's also impeding all of this, right? So this doctor's looking at this and he says, hey, I have all these patients who are dying of obesity and I've looked at all the, I've looked at everything and this fasting thing makes the most sense to me. So I'm a licensed practitioner, practitioner, meaning I get to practice this, this craft on people with, they sign paperwork and I get them to buy in on it. And we go for, forward with a care plan, right? Like that's how it's supposed to work. Most doctors will use something that's off the shelf, right? We, in paramedicine, we call it uh, cookie cutter or uh, cookbook medicine, where you look at somebody, you look at what their um, symptoms are, and you just treat the symptoms with the most, the most appropriate drugs for the symptoms. But that's not always the disease process, right? So once you understand that with medicine, 
and being a practitioner of it, like I understood it intimately. And when this guy starts talking about, Hey man, we like, you need to start, like, we need to start experimenting on ourselves. I went, okay, what do you got? You know, cause like you're thinking, you're thinking different and I'm watching a population die. So what do you got? And he gets into it and he explains that insulin, the, the, the amount of sugar that's in the bloodstream for a diabetic is because you're eating too much sugar. Your insulin is producing what it should for basically your normal size of your body. And because you've eaten so much sugar, it's just going to float around in your bloodstream. Um, so they give you, uh, you know, uh, endogenous uh, insulin to help get that sugar out of the bloodstream. Well, we're just taking the blood, the blood sugar and jamming it into the cells. So we're actually making the cell, fat cells larger by putting the endogenous uh, uh, insulin in. And we have to keep up in the units, up in the units, up in the units, and these people finally die, right? And being a guy who went into these people's homes, um, watched them slowly dying as their units kept going up, they can tell their doctor whatever they want to when they're, they're in that office. They can't tell me how they're living um, because I'm looking at their counter. I'm looking at you know the, the 14 two liter bottles of, of sugar, of, uh, you know, sugar water or, you know, soda. Right. Um, and, and you're looking at all this going, well, no wonder, you know, and, and you hear this explanation that, wait, we've got it wrong. We're looking at this lock key insulin sugar thing. Um, and that's how we understand it. It's how we explain it. It's how we treat it, but it's not, uh, that simple. It's a lock key to force those cells inside of your, your existing cells and it makes them burst or, or, or makes them overflow and burst. And that's where the obesity really comes from. So his proposition was, well, you got all this sugar in your cells, stop eating. Like you've, you've, you're carrying around with your fuel for the next, you know, six months, you know, just stop eating. And I, I, uh, I, I had had some, I had had some moderate success with, uh, uh, intermittent fasting, uh, you know, in one of the, uh, attempted runs. Cause I'd have like an attempted run. I'd lose 40 or 50 pounds and then I'd put on 20. Now I'd lose 40 or 50 pounds. I put 20 back on. Right. So like I was taking three steps forward and one step back and like, it was the best I'd, I'd been doing in years. So I was just like, cool. This apparently is going to be the ratcheting in that we do. Um, but I listened to that podcast and I started looking at fasting. Um, and when you break off from your normal behaviors, you, you get a lot of fear from the people around you, right? Um, especially when you're talking about something that flies in, in the face of uh, uh, conventional wisdom. So uh, I started doing it kind of quietly without telling anybody. Um, so I, I actually, I, 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 I had this kind of epiphany. I was like, hey, bro, you've been lying about food to the doctors and everybody your entire life about like what you're eating. Cause you're overeating. Like, you, like, you know, when you're overeating. Right. So like, I'm like, Oh no, you're healthy. You know, cause you're, you're trying to, you know, and they, you know, inside their head, they're like, you know, doesn't show, but whatever, you know, and then you're like, maybe it's a thyroid problem. It's not a thyroid problem. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a, I'm sad and I want to be happy fucking problem. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, so I, I was like, well, you've been lying about your food anyway, I just lie for the benefit. So I, I kind of like retooled all my, my bad habits and my bad little, um, uh, all the, all the shitty things I was doing. I started using that as a bag of tricks and aimed it towards, uh, my weight loss. Right. So like, yeah, yeah, I'll, no, I'll get breakfast at the station. You know, to, like when I leave in the morning, cause like, you know, we've got the practice of eating breakfast before we left. So like, I'll eat at the station, get to the station. Like, oh, I ate at home. 
um, get lunch. Like ah, I had a big breakfast, right? And then I would eat like I'd eat midday and I would eat leftovers um, because if I sat down to eat with the crew, I would yeah, I'd, I'd pile the I'd pile the plate of happiness, you know. And then and so I need to start separating from the plate of happiness. Um, and then I got a assignment where I I came off the fire truck and I was riding around on the uh, if you ever seen the Hannibal Burris bit about the fire SUV. I was on the fire. I was on the fire SUV, so I was the guy who drove it for the chief who uh, the, the chief uh, who runs the call next to me. And you're just a you're like you you run the radio and the computer and stuff, and you um, it's it's kind of like a preparation for promotion um, for most folks. But and that's the career arc I was taking at the time. And um, with that, I just have one partner, and he was wanting to get healthy too. So like we both went keto, and that's where like the biggest uh, the biggest uh, initial weight loss came from was. Uh, I did a month at keto, um, and that was kind of off of uh, listening to Mark Sishin, uh again on Rogan. He was talking about how you need to go, you need to have a keto time because you're actually training your body how to fat adapt. And when he said that, I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like every kid comes out in this country, and we start sticking sugar in their face immediately. Ancient people wouldn't have had this, right? So ancient people would have figured out how to fat adapt um, just off of the ebb and flow of life, right? Um, you know, especially winners and things like that. So because of our abundance, we're, we are setting ourselves up from failure from that jump. So like I, I'm, I'm even looking at it from a standpoint of like all adolescents should do a, a, a keto period at this point so that their bodies now have the mechanism to burn fat because – why is your body making this? Why is your body making this substance that seems to make you know, that's making you miserable, right? That's destroying your joints and your vasculature and everything else. Why is your body making it? And it's because it's 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 the preferred fuel of your body, right? Like your body wants this as fuel. It wouldn't make it if it wasn't its preferred fuel. And I don't think anybody is really focusing on that. So our diet should be, you know, and we know that dietary fat doesn't become the fat in between your organs, only sugar does. So that's where, and then we look at cancer and all the free radicals that are held in the fat cells. And that's really where the fasting for me, I was like, oh wait, I can fast and start the autophagy process and all those things on all of my cells that have taken all the toxins from fighting fires and, you know, being on car wrecks and, you know, breathing the fumes from the broken up engines. And, you know, like, like we get exposed to a lot of our stuff and, yeah, so uh, you know, full circle. Look at Buzz. Hey, I'm I'm doing vegan. I'm doing all this natural food so I can be there for my kids. And like the guy, the guy's content, happy, healthy as a horse. Looks better than all of his contemporaries that have been doing this the standard American diet, right? Cool. So then I start learning all this other stuff through through the podcast. I'm like, I'm just gonna have the. I'm just gonna take. I'm just gonna take the chance on myself and run the experiment. So I did the fasting. I've, I've worked up to like 72 hour fasts at this point. Um, like I've done two of those, um, handful of 48s. Uh, I do at least 124 a week. Um, like I said, this week I'm getting ready for a jujitsu tournament. So I'm doing 24 four hour uh, fasts. So I'm just doing one meal a day, big calorie, you know, ribeye steak and uh, some other stuff to uh, um, help my, uh, my training. But as soon as the tournament's over, I'm going to go have a freaking pizza because it's delicious, you know, like, but you know, I mean, but that, but that's, I have that, I have that, um, I have that freedom now. Right. 
and I can go have a pizza and wings, or I can go, I can go have those foods that remind me of all those great times with my grandparents. Remind me of, I, I worked in a pizza shop in high school. Guy was, uh, he, he had immigrated from Sicily, um, ran a shop in Chicago, moved out here to Phoenix. So best pizza in town. They're not, they're not in business anymore, but, um, I'll, anytime I make homemade pizza or something, I'll always post, um, you know, learn from the best kind of thing. Cause his wife and I are friends on social media, but like, I love pizza cause it's connected to that family of people who, um, really took care of me and, and, and kind of a, a tough time for me. Right. So like pizza's, pizza's love. Stromboli's love. Like he showed showed me how to make Stromboli the authentic way with high quality ingredients and all that. So if I'm going to have Stromboli, I'm going to go buy the best flour I can. I'm going to like, why are you getting $8 flour? Well, I'm going to have a cheat meal. It better be the best things I can put in my body. Right. And that, like, that's kind of the way I started looking at it. All that skill that I developed um, cooking bad food for myself. Well, let's just take it up a notch and make extremely high quality self-made whole food with the highest level of ingredients that we know is the healthiest we can make for our body. Right. Um, and then that's how you splurge. And that's kind of my, my philosophy on that moving forward is if I'm going to splurge, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it right. Um, and, uh, what's your, uh, do you, do you have any, um, thoughts on gluten or, uh, what, uh, what's been your journey with that? Uh, well, if, it's funny because, like, personally, like, I, I, I don't think as many people are sensitive as as we like to talk about, you know, kind Agre- of wide, agreed, yeah, yeah, in in wider stuff. But I, I do think it is one of those things that, in a lot of ways, we train our bodies to be able to process, you know, mm. through this, you know, like you were talking about, kind of like that bigger culture. Like we inundate our bodies with it, like we inundate yeah. our body with with these things for so many so many years that when you take it away and reintroduce you realize that you don't process it as well or you might have had a sensitivity that you didn't know about like for me personally you know i try to avoid it because i know that if i if and this is kind of like where my body's at you know where after what i've done the past five or five six years like if if, even if i eat it unintentionally i can tell that i've eaten it because i wake up with joint pain i wake up with and the last time it happened to me was i um you know chicken wings keto great but my my caveat is always find out how they're cooked you know how those chicken wings are being made like what yep. you're actually getting and I, I remember i called yep. the restaurant and i'm like so your you, your naked wings are they actually naked because most people just assume that they are but the reality is for restaurants naked usually means they don't dip them in a batter but they still flour them right. because they want to give you a crispy wing and it's easier to get a crispy wing if you put something on it and well, well, they, they, yeah, they, they, well, they dust them. Um, it, they, it's a dusting to mm-hmm. uh, draw out moisture, so right. that you get the uh, better the skin crisp. Yeah, right. So I called restaurant. They're like, "Oh no, there's no coating on them at all. Just you know, just the seasoning." I'm like, "Okay." Had the wings. Woke up the next day and felt like I had arthritis. And I'm like, "Where could right. I have gotten? You know, wh- what did I eat yesterday? You know, that I could have this kind of response." So I called the restaurant and ax- asked to be transferred to the kitchen to talk to someone who actually is doing it. And right. I was like, so do you dust your wings? And they're like, well, yeah, of course we do. And I'm like, yeah. well, just so you know, your front of the house doesn't know that. And they're like, yeah. and, you know, obviously they're apologetic and everything along those lines. Yeah. And, you know, I don't yeah. have a death allergy or anything along those lines. Like, you know, some people right. do with, with actual gluten allergies. Yeah. But I, I think when it comes to foods and things along those lines, like gluten for one, wheat, 
grains, things along those lines, is when you learn how your body responds to it, when you're actually in that place of working through what are the things that my body functions better on, you know, right. you know, okay. And even if you're going to, you know, if I'm going to make the choice to eat something, I know I might have an upset stomach the next day. You know, it's like being conscious of, of what might happen with something along those lines. Like, right. so I guess that's a long answer to your question, but I do think, no, you know, I think at the end of the day, right. but I, I think it is like you said. So if I'm going to eat something that's going to have wheat in it or gluten or things along those lines, I want it to be something that's a worth it experience. That's not just yeah. the same thing that I can get anywhere. The same garbage I shoveled in, you know, it's not the bun from McDonald's. It's not the pizza from Papa John's, you know, it's yeah. something that, okay, this is a unique experience. This is something that I'm not going to get anywhere else, or I'm not going to make any other time, you know, places along yeah, those lines. Precisely. Like, precisely. So that it's yeah. not about, so it's not about, because like, you know, you, one of the things that you've, you've had as a thread going through what you, you were talking about today, but also what we've talked about before is that access to all of these things and the promotion of them. And, you know, oh, the yeah. fact that now we can walk into, like, I even, you know, I'm, I'm in my late forties when I was a kid and I went into a gas station, most gas stations didn't even have candy. You know, you went to a right. candy store, like you went to a store that had it. Like now you go into a gas station and that's all it is. There's that's all eight, it is. There's 80 candy bars. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a Reese's peanut butter cup guy. Right. It used to be one of oh, my favorite things on the planet. Dude, there are now dude, like the Reese's 35. Variety? Oh. There, there's like yeah. 35 different Reese's products now. Just yeah. if I want, you know, there's a whole candy section that's just Reese's. Like, you know, I, I the got, proliferation of these things. I got lucky, man. They changed the uh, they changed the Butterfinger uh, uh, recipe, and I don't like the new one, so I'm good. I'm kidding, but dude, like you're, you're like you're spot on. The 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 devils over at Reese's right now are are trying to give the entire country diabetes single handedly. Like, well, they're like, they've come up with some creations. You're only going to have one treat. Well, now we're going to put your, we're going to, you're going to pick chips or a Reese's cup. Well, now we've got a Reese's cup that has potato chips in it. Oh, you don't, you don't have, you're too busy to eat pretzels on the go. We'll grab a Reese's cup that has pretzels in it. Like, yeah, it's that, you know, that continued hype, that hyper palatability, you know, even when you first, when someone first learns like the fact that there are people that will sit in a laboratory and test 15 different versions of something to find Dude. the one that gets the best response from human beings. Like food is so, engineered. Go ahead. Th- thank you. Thank you, man. Um, that, that, cause that like, and again, this is, this is the first time I've been on a podcast. So mm-hmm. thank you so much. Um, I, I have a bunch of, uh, I wrote a bunch of notes just for stuff that, um, uh, but the one thing, do you know who Edward Bernays is? I do not recognize the name. Okay, so he wrote a book called Propaganda. He was um, he was Woodrow Wilson's propaganda guy for uh, World War One. He's the uh, he's the guy that Goebbels, um, uh, Hitler's uh, propaganda guy, uh, modeled everything off of. So um, if you and if you get into Woodrow Wilson and the progressives of the early twentieth uh, century in America, you get some dark shit, right? Like um, the eugenics experiments where they um, and then the uh, the forced sterilizations. Like a lot of people don't know that there were states in this country that if you had too many undesirables in your family, the government would come and sterilize you. If you're a man, they cut you know they give you the snap. If you're a woman, they they'd tie your tubes. Um, by by decree of law, right? So like like some of the things we're seeing in our culture right now, people are like this is insane. It's like it's not as crazy as it's been. I mean the the state of Missouri the, the state of Missouri issued a, a kill on sight warrant for Mormons. 
like I'm pretty sure the First Amendment limits that, but uh, the state of Missouri didn't care at that time, apparently. So, like we, we've 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 been through some stuff, right? And then you, if you start looking at the players that have come through, and and I'm an old school tinfoil hat guy. I, wa- I watched every episode of the X Files growing up as a kid. So, like, I, I, and I, I say that as a I say that uh, as a, um, a conspiracy theory, uh, a recovering conspiracy theory addict or whatever um, the joke is. But um, there's some truth to a lot of it. And if you get into Ed Bernays, you find out real quick that um, he's not a good dude. And you also find out who inspired him, which was his uncle and Sigmund Freud. So you have Freud's nephew who actually developed bacon and eggs as a breakfast food. Did you know that? Yeah, so Freud's nephew developed the whole, because of the, the, uh, the pork belly lobby was like, dude, we gotta get rid of these things. And they're like, wow, bacon eggs for breakfast. And then I, I don't know who it was. I, I heard Hormel, but it could be somebody else. Um, they took this further with uh, uh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Now, what they didn't tell you was that you could have it at noon and be healthier. <laughs> because I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of eggs. I'm a big fan of bacon, obviously, with the keto, right? Um, and eggs, uh, I don't know if you've gotten into Dr. Eric Berg at all. He's, he's kind of... Okay, so like, I don't, I'm not 100% endorser of anybody I ever talk about because I, I don't think that anybody's ever, like, you got to find what works for you, right? It's the same thing I tell a young firefighter or a young player, like your body, your mind, and your situation are yours. Um, how strong you can make yourself, how gifted you can uh, make yourself on the field. Uh, you, you are the artist on how you're going to build those parts of your pyramid because it's a pyramid, right? It's uh, um, uh skills, strength, and uh, heart, right? But it's actually a, a tetrahedron because it's, you become the artist on how to grow those. But that's a uh, longer conversation. I mean, you can apply that to food though too, right? Um, you become the player. Like, like your, your example earlier, you call the head because you are, you are conscious of your, how you're taking control of your diet. You call the head to see if you're gonna have, a, have an issue. They gave you the go ahead and then you did the investigation on the back end. I mean. That story right there is basically what you, everybody should be doing with food at all times, but we don't. And that's how we get. That's how we get out of whack, right? Um, you know, what did I eat? How did it make me feel? Did it benefit me or not? Okay, it benefited me because of happiness. Well, then it goes into low rotation. Did it benefit me in how I feel and what it did for my body? High rotation. Makes sense. Like that's kind of how I'm starting to look at. It, how I'm starting to look at everything. And I start looking back to this this uh, this impetus of how we got here, of marketing and Ed Bernays, and then you get into DeKalb and Coca Cola and uh, you know Monsanto and and uh, I forget which episode that was uh, of Rogan's, but he had that guy on that wrote the book about Monsanto and Coke and like just the filthy things that they were doing internally to figure out how to get this stuff and and, and you, to your point like the marketing. I mean, dude, they have rooms of people paid far more than anybody who's suffering from their science coming up with ways to trick you to keep eating their nonsense. And uh, like, I, I hate to be negative or angry towards it, but it's like we all like everybody, everybody in these corporations and these systems knows what they're up to and their excuses. Well, p- people need to have personal responsibility. And it's like, yeah, you're right. People do need to have personal responsibility, but you're engineering things to trick people. 
So how about you, like, so take your personal responsibility in that, right? Like you're literally engineering things to trick people and you're literally making ad campaigns to bend behavior, whether it's, whether it's uh, for good or bad. And the reason I bring up Bernays is this, he was just the, he was the start. He's the first domino, right? But once you kind of get to domino one and you see the growth beyond domino one, you go, you, you can start to walk into that convenience store. Like you said, you know, I'm 40, you're in your later 40s. We grew up in that similar era where this, like, you know, it was Doritos and Lay's, right? Maybe, you know, another company, but you didn't have 700 options that every single one of them is, every single bag's printed with, you know, state-of-the-art science and, you know, of to capture your attention. Watch little kids at the mall, dude. Like, you watch them freak out uh, when their parents try to take them away from something that they've keyed on, well, whatever they've keyed on was designed to get them to, to pay attention to it, right? Well, if everything around you is designed for you to pay attention to it, everything around you is chaos at that point. And so for a little kid who doesn't understand, everything's chaos, so they're, they're, they're on edge, they find something that soothes them, and the parent pulls them away from the soothing thing, and the parent, kid loses their mind, and they jam, a, they jam carbs in their face, right? Like... <laughs> Go like go watch the cycle and you go, oh, that's how we got here. And 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 for me, the big change was this, man. I stopped looking at it. I looked at it and I was like, how far have you taken your life um, by being mean to yourself? And, uh, you know, growing up the way I did, and I like to call it working class spicy. <laughs> you know, we had some stuff that happened and whatnot, but uh, it, it messes with your between years a little bit, right? Um you know, but you, you grow up, it gives you that perspective too. Um, and it, it, it makes you a little, uh, makes you a little cranky. And I take that crankiness, man. And I, I just pointed it at the people that were tricking us. And then I, I started pointing it at that crankiness. I started looking at how we got here. And that's how I kind of got to this um, idea about forgiveness and, and, and self-love versus that self-hatred. Because I became a fireman and, a, uh, you know, I, I did all my goals. Dude. I, I, I called my shot. I wanted to be a fire paramedic uh, captain. Uh, I wanted to go train a group of recruits as a, as a recruit training officer. I, I did a cycle as that. I, I, I hit every professional goal I ever wanted, but I did it just being a lunatic and being angry and being mean to myself and being mean to everybody around me. It's like, I don't want to be that person anymore. And how far can I take myself through love? And the fact that I started looking at myself and trying to love myself, which if you've never done it, you don't know how to, so it's clunky, right? But, uh, uh, but um, I started looking at that, and then so that anger and that hatred and that or that 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 frustration, I started pointing it towards those people who were tricking those parents into doing that for those kids and building those behavior patterns in both parent and child. And I went, oh man, like my parents were just doing what they were being like, you know, Oprah's telling you eat more bran, whatever, dude. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to bag on Oprah, but. It's the same thing. It's the same knowledge knowledge delivery mechanisms that got us all thinking incorrectly, and it was all paid for by people trying to get dollars out of our pockets. And when you when you really understand that, you can really start to attack the problem um, at its root versus just beating the hell out of yourself for like oh, I have no self control. Oh, I'm sorry. A scientist highly engineered uh, a mouth experience for you, and you keep returning to it, and you can't stop. Oh, that's what he wanted. 
And once you understand, like, that's what they wanted, that's what they wanted. How do I stop? Slowly, work fast, rip the bandaid off, it's gonna hurt. Take it off slow and, and, and you know, put Vaseline on the edges of it and keep working that in. You might, you know, it might be better, I don't know. That, that's up to you to figure out, but that's how I did it this time. I did, I did the slow and smooth. I didn't do the fast. And it's, it's taken longer, but it's, I, I believe this one's gonna, gonna be able to be retained this time versus um, you know, the up and down again. And that's, and that's really where it changed for me is that, that, that root psychology of, of, of you know, blaming the people really at fault for this. And uh, you know, I'd like to uh, point out another uh, great author, his name's Simon Sinek. Have you gotten into his work at all? I recognize the name for sure. Okay, so he has a book called The Long Game. Mm -hmm. And um, so his three, 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 his three main works, he's got a bunch of supplementary works, but his first, uh, first book was Start With Why, which I think if, if you're trying to figure out if you're at a crossroads in your life, Start With Why is an amazing book. But The, the Infinite Game, I'm sorry, I might have called it The Long Game. It's Simon Sinek, The Infinite Game, it, it, where he talks about the difference between finite games and infinite games. And your health is an infinite game, right? Most of life is an infinite game, but we've been tricked by these finite games inside of our life. And this is, you know, I'll give a quick summary of what I took from the book. Um, companies uh, prior to the 1970s were built on a old financial principle that, uh, of capitalism that was born out of a Scottish economist who Jefferson um, really uh, took to. And the premise was that companies exist to provide a value for the for their members and for the public or for their customers right so a company is supposed to exist to provide a benefit for both the people working for it and the people that it serves great that makes sense okay we, we and we can point to a thousand ways that jefferson didn't follow his own writing whatever right but let's not throw babies out with bath water so in the 70s we went we changed we came off the gold standard and we went to the shareholder supremacy model so shareholder supremacy means that every quarter, the uh, aggregate of humans that own the company want production, right? And so the, the, uh, the compensation mechanism for these companies is give me better quarters. Well, how do you do it, right? You run into the triple constraint of management, which is uh, time, money, um, and quality, right? So we start cutting quality to save time, to make more money because we have this quarterly earning we have to hit. And if we don't, then our boss gets fired. So that's why he's pushing for it. He or she's pushing for it, right? That is every food company. They have to grow every quarter for their masters, which are the stockholders. That's why you see so much engineering in the advertisement in the food. They're trying to make their quarterly earnings. Your health and your slow death are so that they can appease their bosses and live a higher quality of life for themselves. And when you really understand that, you go, I'm not gonna kill myself slowly so other people can live a better life than me. And that's really kind of the cornerstone of where I've come to with everything I've read is like, you're asking me to slowly kill myself to participate in a game that I didn't know, I didn't really understand the full rules and or what type of player I was in it. Now I understand it and I'm gonna interact with it different. So like all the clothes I wear, I get from like individual brands now. I'm like, I'm not buying anything from Nike unless I have to. Right, like uh, shout out to Hoka, uh, one one, their shoe company, dude. If if you want to get into running, these things, 
they're the most comfortable effing shoe. Like I was awful at running and I, like I'm running five Ks and stuff now. And I, I attribute most of it to the Hoka because it's just so comfortable. Like you're like the knee pain, all that stuff. Um, and I concentrated on stride and breathing and I used uh, couch to 5k and I didn't put any pressure on myself. Right. I'm like, you've never been good at running, work on your stride and work on your breathing. Those are the, those are the key components. You're going to get skinnier and faster. If you just follow the stupid little protocol, you know, it's going to piss you off here and there, but you know, being fat pisses you off more. So it's degrees of losing, bud. get out there, you know? So like, like you just have to start figuring stuff out. And then, you know, I, I, I tried to re-engage some of my old things. Um, when I was in the Marines, I was out there at San Diego by you and, um, dude, they're, they're some of the best paintball in the world in San Diego County. Um, and then, uh, Orange County and Riverside County, uh, just cause of the weather and the location and the amount of paintball players that are over there and the high end paintball players. Um, I tried to, I tried to re-engage my weight loss through paintball. Couldn't do it. I just, it's not, it's, it's a, a past season in my life. That doesn't mean I can't lose weight. That means that paintball is not the fact is, isn't the vehicle. You know what I mean? Um, I always wanted to do jujitsu. I finally got to 250 after, you know, from 365 down to 250. And I was like, okay, I'll start jujitsu now. So, and that's been a really big component of that last 70 pounds. But bow hunting was actually the thing that got me from the 365 to that 250. Um, oddly enough, I, I, I bought a bow in a, a pawn shop, started following some guys on Instagram that uh, do solo hunting. I was terrible at it, still terrible at it. I haven't killed a deer yet. Um, I, I get close and I run them off because I'm too aggressive and but it's like this self-purification process in the woods that allowed me. And then I started hiking to get better at that. Cause like carrying a load underweight, being a wildland guy, like I know what that's all about. You gotta get your legs and lungs going. So I could use, I, I used um, a little bit of that, that hostility to hijack it, but I used um, the wildland component, which I love wildland firefighting versus structural where I had lost my luster, you know? Um, so you got to find these tricks, man. You got to like literally gamify the whole thing. Um, every little thing has a, has a micro game inside of it. And I, I just, I, I, um, I just really encourage people to play those micro games, right? Like how was your stride today? Oh, I didn't go that far. My time sucked. How was your stride today? My stride was great. That's your win. Pat yourself on the back. Be proud of yourself. Cause two weeks ago you weren't running at all. You know what I mean? I uh, went out and had a dog shit day. You at least you, you at least had a day, you know. Like like start looking at it that way. Like congratulate yourself for out forcing yourself to have a day. Like this morning, I was supposed to go hiking. I woke up, um, had a little bit of a late night. I'll go work out a different way later today. I'll find something to stay active. But like, you know, I'm a big Jocko Willink fan too, and uh, he's there in San Diego. I don't know if, are you are you familiar with Jocko, with Jocko oh, yeah. and his stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to meet him and a bunch of other of like the kind of that seal ecosystem. I kind of, I use them as like my, um, like my mean older brothers, if that makes sense. Like l- listen to that, like, cause they're, they're super aggressive about all this stuff. And they talk about being default aggressive and it's like, yeah, I'm going to be default aggressive, but I'm going to be default aggressive in how to not be self-deprecating. Right. Like, just retool these, yeah, just retool these things for what, you know, what it is, what, what you set your goal. Like, how do you want to live? Right. I can't, I, I, I can't live like 
like Jocko Willink or, or uh, you know, um, uh, Ben Greenfield or like any of these guys are, these are pinnacle people. Don't hold yourself up to them. Hold yourself up to yourself and who you were yesterday. But if you really get into Jocko, he, that's actually his whole message. He's just really aggressive about it. Um, so, um, cause he's got his, uh, soundtracks like me versus me in the past. Those are the two I, uh, they're, they're on my, they're on my running playlist or my hiking playlist. Right. Like, so like, you know, Jocko yells at me every day a little bit. Um, but it works, you know, it works for me, but it, it might not work for, it doesn't work for my wife. My wife can't hear, like she hears Jocko's voice and she's like, turn it off. And like, she loves everything the guy stands for, likes the books. She just can't because of how aggressive he is. So that's not her weight loss journey. Right. And that's what I'm getting at is find your tools. That's why, you know, and, and, and keep searching, be a default aggressive in that search for that thing. That's going to, that's going to work for you. And you I know? think allowing it to evolve is really important yes, and use, yes. using what you need when you need it. Because like, I think like it's something we also talked about, I think right before we started recording, you know, that place of where sometimes that hyper, that hyper aggressive thing is that's what someone responds to. And I know I did in the beginning, like, that whole, mm -hmm. you know, kill your clone, you know, it's you know, <laughs> every, every yeah. day, bury yourself. And now I sit back and I'm like, I, I loathe some of those things because yeah. of the fact that, you know, I see people be successful with it, but then I also see the, the sheer number of people that hear that kind of like, you're, you know, it's yourself that you have to bury every day. You have to kill the old self, hate your old self. And they get wrapped up more in the hating yes. and, and forget that part of hating, you know, Part of that hating what you used to do is loving what you're doing right now and Correct. appreciating what you're doing right now. Like, I love that you, you talked about that whole idea of finding the wins in a day. Like it's one of yeah. it's, it is literally one of the things when, you know, I have a client or someone on Instagram or someone who messages me and said, you know, I screwed everything up. I've ruined everything. I'm like, okay, well then let's go through what you did today. And we come up with this list of 15 good things that they did that day and one bad thing. And they allow that one bad thing to be the thing that says, well, yesterday was a failure. I'm a failure. And it's like, Precisely. No, you know, get out of that, that place. We go right to that place of wanting to, you know, beat ourselves up for past choice, you know, and we know, you know, a big through line that comes through all of this work too, is you can't change the past. You can no. learn from it. You can adjust mm -hmm. behavior. You can course correct. You can do all of those things. But if you get stuck in that place of, you know, and I've done it myself, like, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. I regret all of these, you know. If I could, you know, that whole, you get, you get stuck playing that game of, if I can go back in time and change this one day, everything in my life will be perfect. And it's like, right. well, no one's invented time travel yet. So that's not going to happen. You know, like yeah. that's, that's literally not happening. So you're now expending energy on, on punishing yourself for things. And it doesn't mean let yourself off the hook. And I think, cause that's no. the other thing is like, yeah. I think everything in our, we're programmed in our culture to take everything to an extreme. And it's realizing that it's when you live to learn in the gray and navigate the gray that I think yeah. you find the best success because you realize that it's not about, well, yeah, no, I probably shouldn't have eaten too large. You know, I ate two large pizzas yesterday, but I'm okay with it because that was what I needed in that moment. And it's like, well, no, you didn't need that. Like, be realistic. Don't give yourself, don't excuse your behavior. Understand your behavior. Understand yeah. your behavior. Learn from it. Like, can you learn from that experience? Like, if you went off the rails, you had this experience. What did you learn from it? How do you prevent it from happening again? Those are the questions to ask, not the, well, I'm just going to try again today. You know, well, something that you were well, trying. That's, but that's neuro work. neuroplasticity. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and, yeah, and I Because you're, 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 yeah, trying, you're trying to bend uh, dec decades-long mm -hmm. um, behavior patterns. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and that's what it is too. Like it's that idea that you've done it. Yeah. You've, you've done it for years. Don't expect that it's Mm going to change in two weeks. Don't expect that. Well, that's great. You know, like one week. Yeah. Yeah. Cause every, and, and everyone who starts a new way of eating or a new exercise plan or whatever it is that first week we're running on adrenaline. So everything is wonderful. You know, because we have yeah. this expectation oh, yeah. of results and we're getting them and we're seeing this. And then it's that second, third, fourth week where things actually get hard and you don't well, have that that force behind you anymore. And you have to find new ways to keep yourself going. Go ahead. And, and, and again, that's the gamification, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And what you're describing is grace, right? We, we don't have grace with ourselves. Um, and and it, it's it's funny, like. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a religious guy in, in the essence of like, I have a God of my understanding. Right. Um, and having been all over the world and, and having to challenge, um, uh, a lot of my own beliefs, um, from just like legitimately the things that you see. Right. Um, I, like I've, I've come back to, I've come back to that, uh, that root of, of religion a little bit. Um, when I start looking at things like grace or, um, forgiveness, because uh, you know, if you, if you really look at the, at those works, a lot of them are, are really uh, good outlines for uh, to explain behavior and psychology and whatnot. Um, now, you know, full stop. The entire uh, work, you know, it's, it's got some items in there that I, I, I uh, uh, have a protest. Uh, uh, I protest a little bit. The Council of Nicaea is uh, where I uh, jump off and uh, decide that I uh, I'm not a hundred percent subscriber, but. Um, Grace is so key. And I think as a society, because we come from this Puritan background, right? Like, um, you know, why is this guy talking about our Puritan background, you know, American history? Well, it shaped our society. And the Puritans would not let you sin and not, and never, you, you had to remember whatever you did wrong for the rest of your life. That was kind of, that was also their downfall, right? That's why they're not like, you know, there's some of them are around, but uh, it's not the pr- pr- predominant um, uh, way of life in, in America anymore. Because if you can never forgive yourself for, for uh, you know, the biggest mistake of your life, you're going to suffer forever. You made a mistake one day. Are you going to make good on it? Or are you going to continue? Like, or are you going to let that mistake drive the next mistake and drive the next mistake and drive the next mistake? Are you going to let that mistake victimize you moving forward? Because that's what you're letting happen. Anything that has been done to you, trauma-wise, when you're still putting food, like, it's still victimizing you, right? And when you understand that and you go, yeah, I ate two pizzas last week. I, was, I went full wolf, <laughs> you know, and I've done it. Like I've had days where I'm just like, you know, just give, give, me, give me the whole thing. I don't care. Like, but... I also know I can only absorb so many calories in one day, right? Like that, that's a, that's a fact. You're going to poop out most of the excess. <laughs> so like if you have a day where you just launch yourself into self-loathing and deliciousness tomorrow, you're going to sweat a lot. It's going to hurt. You're not going to feel great, but it's one day's worth of calories. Don't stop the train for, don't, you know, let's not end the trip because you lost a wheel. You know, like, come on, like, put on the spare, we'll go to the gas station, we'll get you a new tire, get back on the dang road. Like, it, it's not the end of the friggin' world. But it feels like that because you were doing so good to this point. And you get and, and, and you gave up on yourself. And I think I think we're, 
you know, this is this is Jesse's theory land at this point. And, and um, I think we are so scared of our susceptibility to be bamboozled, right? Because we, we are easily tricked as, as, as a species <laughs> um, that we're on edge all the time as a result because we're trying to guard ourselves. You know what I mean? And food's this thing that shouldn't, it shouldn't be the battleground that it is. But through this industrial post-war, um, post-World War II system that we've created, I mean, we built, we beat the Germans twice, right? Like, why are you arguing with this system? It's obviously awesome. Well, it's so awesome that it, it, it's made us fat. <laughs> Even the poorest among us are obese because we're because we've keyed on the wrong food and like and if again if you're getting like mark session really covers this stuff well um uh there's so many great authors i'm just saying you know i found what i found to for my journey in these authors i really hope other people do too because you're not going to find a light switch solution you got to find your solution and what your solution is might mirror 10,000 other people, but you and your body and your journey are your own thing. So go find the 10,000 that you can march with, right? Go find the, 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 the 2,000 you can march with. But if the result is a healthier you, healthier body, then pursue it. And if run the experiment, take down the notes. If you're not getting the results you're looking for, tweak. You know, like stay on this until you find out what you need. And that gift, you know, the lessons learned and that gift at the end will be, you know, something that you can be proud of. So all the, basically what I'm getting at is don't let all this suffering be for nothing. You know what I mean? Like you've suffered enough in your life if you're overweight right now. You've suffered enough if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, on a plateau. And go study those things too, man. Like why are you at a plateau? Why is the scale not moving? Because you're building muscle underneath the tub. You know what I mean? Like your tubby still but you're starting to look different but the number is not moving how are your clothes fitting okay so you're you're moving your body and your health it's just like this number is arbitrary right now because the muscle mass that you're gaining is offsetting the fat that you're losing so don't look at that thing keep striving and look at, look for these other markers of success look for what was my run time oh can i can i cut it like i haven't been losing any weight you know what i'm going to focus on cutting a minute off of a mile You'll lose weight if you do that, and you and you won't frustrate yourself chasing a number on on a machine that you stand on every day. That if it's not calibrated properly, probably isn't sending you, isn't giving you the right number anyway. So <laughs> you're asking you're asking a faulty piece of equipment for a validation. You know, it's a silly uh, silly concept. But but you don't if you don't know that, it'll derail your entire effort. And then, and I think we're dealing with that a lot too, man. Is it's an education issue, right? I'm, I'm blessed. I, I played sports and I, when I, I did a lot of really physically activity, active things where um, uh, health and fitness have always been in the conversation. And, and dude, we went through every wild iteration too, man. Like they, they guys did the carb loading thing for a while. Guys lost weight on that. We, you know, we, we did, guys were vegan guys were, you know, guys and gals, you know, we, we People in the fire service will try any trick, especially if they think they can do something faster than um, uh, than it's supposed to take, right? And um, I was just as susceptible as anybody else. And so I've been on this journey. Everybody's like, eh, it's a gimmick or whatever. And I've kind of hit I, the spot that I've hit. And people are like, no, this one worked. What's the difference? And I'm like, it's just 
It's understanding what's going on inside my body. It's understanding what's going on inside my mind. And then it's um, being, being present and being an active participant on what I'm putting inside my body. Um, and dude, I'll tell you this, man. I want to sit down one of these days and, and figure out how many three by threes protein style with grilled onions, no tomatoes I've had. Like that is my, that is my, that is my out and about, uh, go-to, right? It's three patties, three slices of cheese some grilled onions. So like the carbs aren't terrible. We could make some arguments that the, uh, that the special sauce is probably vegetable oil. And, um, I, I actually think vegetable oil is the, the component of, um, uh, heart attacks that we're not uh, uh, taking seriously enough because it's a new food item that we don't have that much data on uh, as a species, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but you know, like uh, that, that, that burger with a iced tea, um, it takes you 10 minutes to procure. It's, it satiates, it gets you down range and like, it's, it's just a functional it's, but it's, but it's still quote unquote fast food. Right. But look at In-N-Out. What do they use for ingredients? It's fresh stuff. You know, it's not it's not a McDonald's burger. It's not a it's it's not something that was um, you know. And I'm sure that they, I'm sure that every time that they have a cost need, they look at flavor profiles and texture and just like any other multi-million dollar company. But they have a, they have an ethic of staying as fresh and, and and quality as possible. So that became my that became my my on the road. Uh, you know, so like a, a protein burger is a hell of a way to friggin' start, you know, and because of how active I am, I can, I can have that, you know, so it's like, it, it, that might not be the sandwich for somebody who works at a desk, but for a guy that was on a fire truck at work, you know what I mean? So like, don't take that as like an end all be all. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a che- cheeseburger protein style because you're, you're, you're framed smaller than mine. You know, I'm, I'm six foot. Right. So, um, uh, make sure that you're doing things that, that fit your, your frame, your body type and what you're after. Which I, I, I think is really the, that you, know, I think you've done a great job here towards the end to kind of giving the, the core concepts of what you've been talking about, man. And I appreciate the passion behind all of it as well. And if there are people listening who do want to reach out, follow what you're doing, connect with you, man, where do they find you? Um, I'm right now. I just have the Instagram. It's Ann mm-hmm. underscore Arizonan. So it's uh, proper English because my wife builds uh, English curriculum for a school district. So <laughs> if I said a, a, a Arizonan, she would uh, not have been happy. But uh, it, it is kind of the philosophy, man. Like I, you know, I, 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 my my grandparents both moved out here after the war. Uh, my my mom's side, uh, he served in World War II. My dad's side, he uh, uh, served Korea. Um, you know, my dad signed up, uh, towards the end of Nam and, and it didn't work out for him. Uh, he got hurt and whatnot, but you know, we're, we're just a family that moved out to the desert to, uh, uh, try to give me a better life. And, uh, they did. And, uh, I have some observations on what I've done with that life and how I can do it better and, um, what's going on in the state and, uh, what's going on with the country. Cause I'm, I'm fiercely patriotic, but I'm not, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not silly about it, but that's, that's, that's it, man. On, on Instagram and Arizona, and I'm going to uh, probably expand that to everything else. Same name, but um, that's where we're at right now. So oh, oh, I should probably secure that before we uh, publish this so that people don't take my, take mm. my username on Twitter. I'm kidding. But, yeah. uh, well, so. that'll, that'll be a task for you to take care of later today after you get some work, you know, get a, get a workout in, man. 100%. Uh, 
So, Jesse, I really have appreciated your time today. We've gone really in-depth in a lot of things, and I feel like there's probably 25 things in all of that that we could go on for another hour about, you know, so, uh, you know, yeah. eventually could have you come back on and, and, and go, down, any, go down some of anytime. those rabbit holes. You know, yeah, I'd love, I, anytime, I, and I'd, I'd love to catch up with, with where you're at and where I'm at, like, in, you know, like, let's say six definitely. months or so, you know, that'd be... Definitely. So. We, and we, at that point, we can talk about um, what... It's funny you brought up Mark Sisson. I'm a big original OG follower of of Mark okay. from the beginning, Primal Blueprint, all everything. And I look yeah. at what's happened now with Primal Kitchen, and the I don't know if you saw on the Instagram account last week they they posted a recipe for corn. And mm, I didn't see that. The comment section is all just like, "This looks great, but isn't this not <laughs> a part of your?" plan that you t- i don't we don't understand so there, there's right it's to me i was like oh the corporate you know there there's there's, there's some corporate dude, shit going on there, but, there's yeah there's mm-hmm. um there's that push towards uh uh vegetables that um and if you look at it um and i, I again i'm a recovering tinfoil hatter so um if you look at it it's a lot of people who have um heavily invested in that concept Oh, um, real quick, dude, I, before I go, I want to mention something. If you're going to fast, make sure that you're preloading yourself with um, uh, like a good nutrient. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, uh, regiment. Um, my, like my personal one, I, I do a, a mushroom uh, supplement every day. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's a blend. I do a green supplement and then I uh, do a uh, animal uh, the desiccated organs. So it's a uh, beef liver, beef, uh, um, heart. And, uh, it's a couple other, I mean, what's on that thing. I'll look it up real quick. But what I'm getting at though, man, is, um, the food that we're eating doesn't have nutrients in it, right? Like that's a whole other, we could, like you said, we could spend hours talking about any of these things. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, the food we're eating is not nutrient dense. You need to get your nutrients up so that when you do, fast you don't take the uh the mood swing hits because you're a lot of the eating you're doing is trying to find the nutrients that the food that you have is missing and if it's got like one percent of what you need you'll eat you'll eat 10 you know 100 of them to get to that 100 percent. like that's what your body's trying to do right and i think all of us that have made the transition but people who are new coming in i don't want to set them up for, for failure whether they try to fast and it just whoops their butt um, also start at 12 and then increment it out and like, just start pushing. Um, that's the other thing I've, I've, I, uh, I had it on my notes. I want to cover with you, but, um, and then for your sweet tooth, honey, you know, get some honey and, and, uh, uh, you know, just a dab here and a dab there. It'll help. It'll help that, that sweet tooth craving. Um, uh, at least it does for me. And I, I always use a local honey cause it's, uh, for your uh, immune system. Cause it's, uh, you know, if you have allergies, I, I'm going to, I, I uh, had allergies, so. But sorry, yeah, I, didn't, oh. um, I knew you were wrapping. Well, up, I think I, I wanted to cover we that. we have a couple more questions. We're going to get through the rapid fire questions in yeah. a second. I and I think something that's important through all of this too is that idea of of doing the experiment for yourself, researching things. No one should jump into doing a twenty four or forty eight or seventy two hour fast without looking into what they need to do to take care of themselves before they do that. Like we're not, you know, again, you earlier you talked about the concept of being a practitioner, you know, like we're not on this podcast saying this is exactly a hundred percent what every person should do. But I think it's about sharing the information that you've learned in your experience. And so people can say, is this something, you know, how should I open my eyes and look at some of these things too? And I think that's the great thing about 
having those different, having different voices and having our individual voices to be able to share them. So I appreciate that, man. A hundred percent, man. That's you, you got to find, you got to find the crew that'll, the, mm-hmm. that makes sense for you and that'll help you get where you want to go, man. And, and yeah, hundred percent. So, so, thanks. so Jesse, I got five questions for you that I call the fat guy five. It's the okay. last ep- questions of the episode. Are you ready for them? Absolutely. Okay. So question number one, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Shoot. Farley. It's got to be Chris Farley. There we go. Question number two, man. What What is one lesson that being a fat guy taught you? Stop being such a dick. Um, honestly, I uh, um, I was fat because uh, people treated me poorly, and then I treated people poorly as a result. Um, and that cycle will keep you fat. So that's the. Uh, that's the biggest thing I learned from it was there's an aspect of self inside of it. And that was me. I mean, I'm those, I'm those people out there who are overweight that are the nicest people on the planet, but I was, I was, I was angry at the world and I took it out on everybody and myself and uh, I did it with food and I did it with uh, attitude. And uh, that's what it taught me. And yeah. it taught me that I never want to go back. <laughs> so. Question number three, what is one concrete thing that a person out there who wants to get their journey started today can do? You know, um, you got to find two reasons. You got to find an internal and an external. And if you, because if you rely on one, the other, just one will fail you, right? Um, You've got to do it for you and you've got to do it for those you love or those that you're going to love, right? So if you're single, you know, there there are people in in your future that you have uh, uh, beauty to offer to. Um, you know, whether, you know, whatever your propensity or your bend is for what your life goals are, but there are people who you will benefit. Um, especially if you start, uh, caring for yourself and have self-love and this journey is something you're doing for you. It'll be so, and it'll stick better if you're doing it for you, but the days where you hate yourself, you need to have somebody else to look at. And I'm lucky I have kids. Um, but if you don't have kids, your future kids or your aunt, you know, your nieces and nephews, if you're uh, someone who's doing the offset uncle or auntie, like whoever it is, you know, I started coaching and um, you know, being an example to those kids was part of it. You know, it was just like, I amalgamated a bunch of people to do this for on top of myself. So that's kind of, that'd be the biggest thing, find an external and an internal because just having one, it'll fail you and you won't be able to toggle back and forth to keep going forward. I like it. Question number four, man, talking about self-love. What is one thing about yourself that you love? My tenacity. Mm-hmm. It's my, uh, it's, it's my, it's my uh, ace in the hole. I, I, I call it the beautiful curse. I'm compulsive a little bit. I, I nerd out on everything. Um, I've got nine bows uh, for bow and arrows. Uh, I, I hunt um, uh, uh, with rifles too. And I was a rifle coach in the Marine Corps, so. I'm a, you know, a second amendment guy, but, uh, a real, real, uh, in depth of all that stuff and, uh, just nerding out, man. It's, um, uh, it's, 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 it's self-indulgent as well. So, um, okay. that's the thing I love the most is, is that, that tenacity, cause that's mm-hmm. also what got me here too. Right. It's, uh, the same, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let off this until like, I'm a dog on a bone and, uh, uh, it, ser- it serves me, but it also it also gets in the way. Mm-hmm. So it's one of it's Understood. one of those things. You have to you have to learn how to love the demon, and then you have to learn how to run the demon. 
There we go. And when you run the demon, because if you if you if you separate it from your total self, you know, like like you were saying earlier, I meant to say this then, but talk about killing killing the self, killing the old self. I just run the demon because the demon's not me, right? It's an aspect of me. Feed the demon, um, then I can work on self. If that makes if that makes sense. No, it definitely does, man. It definitely does. And question number five, last question for you today. What is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Um, you know, uh, so I'm actually looking to start a company. Um, I, uh, I have a, a product invention that I, uh, I found a guy here local that's uh, um, going to help me uh, put it together. It's sport baseball. Um, my entire career, I've been a guy that there's something goofy going on. I'll, I'll, I'll tape something together to make an extension or, you know, like a, a hillbilly ingenuity, right? Like that's, I, I, I grew up with uh, rednecks, so I could, I could weld and, you know, build stuff for, on, on the fly. But, uh, um, I'm trying to start a company, uh, uh like I said, it'd be a sporting goods company that, um, uh, a couple products that I've bumped into along the lines that nobody's really making for the purposes I want to make them for. Um, so that's that's my biggest goal um you know uh we'll see how that goes i uh just got a uh, a couple you know doing a couple odd odd and end jobs uh, on top of my retirement uh income so uh and then uh hopefully start a podcast when uh when the other when the time uh or what i'm trying to figure out my formatting and like content and all that and how i want to do it so i i, I uh, I'm, I'm building i'm working on all that right now and i'll uh, i'll launch when i'm when I'm ready. Cause I want to, I want to have like a plan together. So that like the first three months I, ha- I'm not trying to like figure shit out like last minute every day, you know, like I've been posting every day um, just to get in the habit of it, but I don't have like a plan yet, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm working on all that. It's all nebulous, but it's fun. There we go, man. Well, Jesse, so. thank you one more time for coming on the show. I really appreciate everything you shared with us today and, and taking your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, brother. And thank you. Thanks for having me. And I uh, look forward to, uh, uh, you know, keep following your content Definitely. and uh, hopefully get together again and talk. So. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. And everyone out there, like I said, I'm going to put a link to Jesse's social in the show notes. And you can, as always, find my links in there, too. Connect with me on Instagram at Gourmet Goes Keto, on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto. You can email the show at thefatguyforum at gmail.com all that good stuff. And then after you're you're fully connected, go on out there, my friends. Remember, do something today to amaze yourselves because you're the most amazing people I know. Then come on back and catch us here on the very next episode of the Fat Guy Forum. Hey, everyone. Quick note. Don't leave yet. Want to let you know about some things going on with the podcast. Over the next two weeks, I'm actually going to be migrating the podcast to a different platform. And my family is currently in town. And the day after they leave, I head to KetoCon in Austin, Texas. So the next two weeks are going to kind of be crazy. So episodes will be a bit sporadic and may not be as consistent as normal for the next two weeks. I just wanted to give you that heads up so you're wondering what's happening. I'll post about that on social media as well. But loyal listeners, just know that we'll be coming back in force. And all is good here at the Fat Guy Forum. We'll see you again on the next episode. (music) 